from PRX. This is Studio 360. I'm Kurt Anderson. As more and more Marvel comic book characters make their way to movie theaters and TV screens, fans of those comic books get obsessed and and giddy about how exactly each superhero will become corporeal. How exactly will Black Panther or Jessica Jones or Luke Cage look? But a new venture from Marvel is concerned only with how the superhero will sound. It's a podcast called Wolverine, The Long Night. And to make the characters seem real in your earbuds, Marvel hired two young, talented producers, one of whom I met when he was just a wee lad. So this is actually kind of funny. Um, I started out at Studio 360. That was my first radio internship. That is director Brendan Baker. And he met his assistant director, Chloe Prasinos, back when they were both doing work for the podcast Love and Radio. My background is uh, mostly just long-form documentary. So we asked them, and not just because Brendan is an alumnus, to stop by Studio 360 to tell us about this new project, which is getting rave reviews from comic book nerds and audio nerds. So Wolverine the Long Night focuses on two federal agents. Agent Pierce and Agent Marshall, and they're special agents investigating a series of murders in this fictional town called Burns, Alaska. And as they interview people and as they start to put the pieces together, this name Logan keeps coming up. Who uh, Marvel fans will know is Wolverine. This man who's new to town. He's been working on a fishing boat. And who is seen to have done some strange things in the woods. Um, and who generally has an air of mystery about him. He seems to be involved with some violent incidents, and he quickly becomes one of the suspects in the story. And so they're trying to solve the murder, and they learn more and more about this character, Logan. He's living alone in a cabin. He's run away from his previous life. Um, and so part of the mystery that we're unfolding is, you know, why is he there? What happened to him? At the very top of the first episode we hear a fisherman telling the listener about a grisly experience he just had. Now, I'm running on no sleep, and I get to thinking maybe it's just my mind playing tricks on me, right? But I ease off the throttle and yell at Phil to work the fog lights. Now he's one of my duck hands. And sure enough, he finds it. The big black boat with red lettering on the side. Langrock Fishing Company. That's when I notice the cabin light's on, but nobody's steering her. And it's drifting free, rolling sideways, bobbing along the waves. And if we don't do something and do it fast, it's going to crash into one of the five fingers. And the waves are rolling strong, so motoring up alongside her is dangerous. Now, Phil throws over the bumpers so we don't knock ourselves to pieces. And we tie one line and then another till we're locked together. Well, credit from the music goes to Deru, this electronic musician who I really love, especially his approach to, like, layering textures, um, and it works really well for the atmospheric approach that we were trying to achieve. So often in his tracks, I'll listen and I'll be like, wait, is that, is that like wood creaking? Did I add that sound effect, or is that in the music? There's a nasty smell in there. I know it ain't fish. 
When Brendan and I were collaborating on how to employ music um, throughout this series, but especially in this clip, we thought about it as a way to focus the listener's attention instead on like the skid of a boot on the slippery deck or um, when the hold opens and, and the fisherman sees these dead bodies, we want to pull the music back and bring in more bassy tones so that we are focusing your attention on the dread the fisherman is experiencing seeing these piers of his stacked up and dead in the hold of the boat. Yeah, Phil, can you, uh, you get me a flashlight? The beam cuts through the shadows and there they are. The captain and his crew. Their bodies anyway. For the longest time, I've thought of sound design as a kind of attention design. Yeah, it's like tuning your attention to the right feeling at the right moment. So say we're, we're in a scene with um, the mother of one of the victims. That's a static room. You know, you have the sound of a clock ticking, maybe. You have the sound of a radiator. You have maybe, you know, the sound of the, the town outside, distant. Um, and we kind of wondered, okay, how do we want to use music in a moment like that where we're not going into a memory, so bringing music in we don't want that kind of like ethereal feel. And one of the things we found ourselves doing was um, turning to really low pitched drones and kind of like the sound of like metal bending and pitching it way down and stretching it way out and just kind of bringing those sounds in this very Lynchian way that kind of makes you feel tense, but you can't even quite tell why to direct the listener's sense of compassion for, for this woman and her pain. Whatever is hunting us. You have to hunt it back. And if it's a bear, then you track it down. That's what I told the sheriff. I said, do something. You send every dog and every rifle out into those woods and you end it. So the microphone that we use to record this project is called a, an ambisonic microphone, or it's sometimes called a sound field microphone. And it allows us to record spaces in three dimensions. So we can hear sounds above us, to the sides, below us. And it when you put on headphones, you really feel like you're right there. So we can really give a sense of a space as opposed to um, a single voice. It's like watching a movie in IMAX 3D instead of watching it on a flat screen. Um, it's, it's a different type of experience. Yeah, it's the same recording technique that's used for virtual reality. Right. And so what we ultimately did was create these whole like virtual environments where you actually can hear people moving in the distance, you know, characters coming in from a door. And when they open the door, you know, you hear the sounds of the hallway outside. Look, I care about this town. Okay, I've lived here most of my life and I want to keep it safe. Whoever did this to them boys on that boat, let's get them. Most of the recordings are based off of this central surround microphone. So it was all about sort of how we frame the shot, how we block the actors around the shot um, that allowed the actors to sort of stop thinking about, you know, whether they were on mic or off mic and more just got to inhabit their characters, you know, explore what the scene was telling them, explore what the characters were telling them and, and go deeper into the characters than I think they would have if they were just in front of a static mic having to, you know, read a script. There definitely was like an onboarding process whenever an actor who hadn't worked with us yet would come to the studio. Brendan would explain the microphone and uh, it was very fun to watch from a distance and being like, oh, wait, so I can I can move around. Oh, I can like I can interrupt. This I can character. talk to people. I can like, talk yeah, over step them. on each other. Yeah, that's yeah, fun. do it. What's that? I knew this was going to happen. 
Ever since I heard about those women getting killed, I just knew it was bad times ahead. We didn't say anything about the women. Keep dying, We're here about your crew. But it was so fun to see them, you know, walk into this medium that many of them had never encountered before and, and realize that it was kind of more playful and expressive than they had expected. Well, here it is. Front door is open. The suspect is not present. Agent, here, sorry. How, how can you tell he's not here? It's like 40 yards away. Shouldn't we search the we'll search the cabin when we finish the perimeter suite. Got a bit of a trash heap up here. Want to be noteworthy? Uh, whiskey bottles. Well, it looks like uh, empty bags of fertilizer. Logan has no vehicle registered, but I'm noticing tracks, motorcycle, dirt bike. Scan it. Yep. Because the series is set in rural Alaska, um, there's a fair amount of scenes that take place outside. So we went scouting around the area with our production manager, Emily Pontecorvo, and um, we went out to Staten Island, we went to Westchester, just trying to find a place that sounded like the woods. And I can't tell you how difficult it is in this part of the country to find an area with no air traffic overhead. We found ourselves out being like, oh my God, this is perfect. The crunch of the leaves, the tree, the sound in this valley is perfect. And then you'd hear a plane go overhead and you're like, God, what are we going to do? Like that totally breaks the illusion. One of the things that we learned the hard way is that air traffic patterns shift throughout the day. Yeah, they sure do. What happened when we, we recorded the first half of the day, everything was amazing, and then starting in about the afternoon, these, it just the airplane started. It was like rush hour in the sky. So uh, from that point forward, we had to sort of capture these like small 20-second takes and edit them together like in, in all these moments where there was no air traffic. The um, actors got it, pretty frustrated. It was a long day. There were also a fair amount of leaf blowers, which you can't predict. It was fall. People were trying to clean up their yards, so you'd hear leaf blowers in the background, too. We had just no control over that. Yeah, when you're trying to make someone feel like they're in a canyon in Alaska, <laughs> there are no leaf blowers. The leaf blowers kind of ruin the image. Yeah. They're going to find me. Weapon X is going to find me. I said that from the beginning, right? I'm their property. I'm their investment. From the moment I escaped, they've been hunting for me. I guarantee it. One of the real challenges with this kind of storytelling was how do we manage the past and the present? Like, we need someone to be describing what happened to them in the same way that, you know, you have someone telling their own story in a documentary. So being able to cut back and forth between the past and present was uh, an idea that we knew from day one that we wanted to have stylistically. And by cut back and forth, you mean like hear, hear the character telling their story to the agent and then to leave that space and go back into the memory. Right. So in the present tense, you'll hear sort of the sounds of the room. You'll hear, you know, the creaks of the floor, the radiator, the, you know, faucet tapping. And then as you go into someone's story, all those sounds start to fall away. And it's like you're only focusing on the person's voice. And then all of a sudden you hear their memory kind of blossoming out in front of you. And the ambient sounds from the present tense are now replaced by the sounds of their memory. Where's the note you found in the book? It's right here. You can hear Agent Marshall starting to read the letter, and then as he's reading, you hear uh, Logan's voice quietly in the background. And as the music starts to ramp up and get louder, Logan's voice becomes louder, and we do this crossfade between Agent Marshall, who's reading the letter in the present, and Logan as if he were writing the letter, almost writing the letter out loud to Maureen in the past. Uh, The handwriting took some effort to decipher, but it reads as follows. Maureen. Maureen. Not much for writing letters. I'm not much for writing letters. I'm not much for saying sorry either, but here I am. 
I hated New Orleans because of all the bodies and all the noise, you know that. But I also hated it because of all the cameras. Someone was always watching. Cameras on cell phones, cameras on traffic lights, cameras in every store. You'll hear in that clip the snicked sound, which is something that we labored quite intensely over. I should have told you I was leaving, but what happened happened fast. The shooter started working his way through the French Quarter, killing for the sake of killing. I I heard the gunshots from a bar. I should have walked away. People were screaming and running and, and trampling each other. I couldn't help myself. I took off his head. In the Wolverine comics, every time his claws pop out, you see this bubble that says snicked, S-N-I-K-T, exclamation point. Um, and so that was the sound that we were trying to recreate um, for our series. And it's a mixture of a bunch of different elements, including uh, sword sounds, knife sounds, some sharpening sounds, some sounds of gore, of the skin parting as his claws pop out, and a little bit of him just sort of inhaling as the claws actually extend. Because every time Wolverine's claws come out, His skin actually breaks around his knuckles and the adamantium claws, you know, it hurts him. When we we were always wanting this to work for a general audience as well, and that's the challenge that we've been running into. Like, how do we portray this world in a way where it makes sense for a general audience and yet the Marvel fans don't feel like we're spoon-feeding them? I've been the person in the room the whole time that's like, wait, so he can heal? (laughs) Wolverine can heal himself? He's got these claws, too. (laughs) Oh, right, okay. (laughs) I think we also struggled with what... We wanted the aesthetic of the series to be because we both come from this world of, you know, documentary, of realism. And here we were charged with bringing one of the most beloved comic book characters to life. And it was like, okay, well, are we going to do like boom, pow, crash, whack? Biff, pow. Biff, pow. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to do that, but should we think about it? How are we going to invite the comic book genre to inform the way that the world that we're building sounds? I knew Weapon X would hear about it because they hear about everything. I knew they'd be coming, I knew they would find me, and when they did, there'd be more killing. I got enough blood on my hands to fill a reservoir. That story was produced by Zoe Saunders. Marvel's Wolverine The Long Night is only available for now on Stitcher Premium. Thanks for listening, and you can subscribe to Studio 360 at iTunes or Overcast or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. 